Welcome to Adventures in Landlording. Each episode, we pack our bags and hit the trail to answer some of the many questions plaguing landlords across America. I'm Jonathan. This is Krista. Hello. How's it going? It's so good. How are you? Good. Feeling good for episode one of Adventures in Landlording? I am so excited to talk about all these things that we've gathered here today, so cannot wait. All right. Let's jump into it. All right. The first thing that I bring to you, this was posted on Reddit by Pizza Puppies, and this person is a tenant in New York, and they say, does a landlord supplying an electric radiator count as providing heat? What's your first thought? No. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. my first thought out of the gate. Well, the good news is we have a lot more information, so let me go through it. So they say, I have lived in my apartment for over a year now. Last winter, it got really cold. This year, I bought a thermostat to read the temperature. The maximum temperature it has been the past few weeks is 65. And that's in the kitchen with the stove and oven on. The apartment is on the top floor of an old house that seems to have radiators heating the rest of it. My apartment has the floor base heaters, but they don't emit heat. Yikes. The landlord provided two plug-in wall radiators that rack up my electric bill over $180 a month, having them on at night. I was reading over my lease to re-sign and saw that in it, it says that heat is included. So does this mean they should be paying my electric bill because that is what's, what heats my apartment to a livable temperature? Or providing some other form of heating my apartment, like turning on the baseboard heaters or fixing them if they're broken? The minimum temperatures, as I've researched, to be 68 during the day and 60 at night, 62 at night aren't met unless I have those radiators on and running for many hours. I'm wondering what my rights are considering they technically provided a heat source, but I am paying for it myself, when in the lease it is said that they cover heat. Also, do those temperatures apply to heating the whole apartment? Because it's impossible to heat the whole place with those two heaters, so two rooms are always colder. Ooh, lots to unpack there. There are yes. quite a few levels. I'm really glad that we have some state-specific information because there are differing laws across the states for what temperature you have to keep a rental. In New York, OP is exactly correct. Um, during the day, your rental needs to be able to maintain, I think it's 68 degrees, if it's below 55 degrees outside. However, at night, it cannot drop below 62, regardless of the temperature outside. So he already has a case for there being an issue and something that he should bring up to his landlord. And something about those temperatures, too, is does that apply to the entire rental unit? So my understanding is yes. Um, I don't know the specifics, but my gut is going in the affirmative. You should be able to have that temperature everywhere. There are very specific ways that like code inspectors would come out to measure this, um, where they want it to be you know, a certain degree off of the ground and a certain distance away from the door. But by and large, the whole unit should be above 68 degrees during the day if it's 55 or below outside in New York. There you go. Okay. So right off the bat, pretty obvious. Uh, it is not warm enough in there. No. <laughs> but let's also talk about the, uh, the fact that in the lease, it says the landlord provides heat. So that's the big cincher for me. If the lease didn't specify, you still have an issue with heating. Heating is part of the warranty of habitability, which is this uh, implied contract that is in every lease agreement saying that the landlord will provide exactly what the tenant needs to live comfortably insofar as making sure that they have heat, hot water, trash receptacles, things of that nature. So big no-no to have a unit that's getting too cold. Um, but the fact that the lease specifies that the landlord will provide the heat, that really sticks out. That yeah. means, yeah, they are legally bound to do that. Yeah. Yeah. If it's in the lease and the landlord is not providing it, um, giving them some 
they call them plug-in wall radiators. So I've got questions on what exactly those are, but they sound old. And dangerous. <laughs> they, <laughs> they sound dangerous. They sound like they could potentially be fire hazards, especially if those are being used uh, around the clock, which it sounds like they are. And not to mention they're extremely energy inefficient, uh, adding over $180 a month to the energy bill. So they're already in violation of their lease, this landlord is, um, and these radiators don't count it, don't count for providing heat. I would think not. Um, so there are quite a few different things that somebody could do in this case. It is going to start with a conversation. So I'm glad that yeah. the original poster reached out. Um, to that end, though, I think they have a pretty strong case personally to go and say, hey, it's in the lease agreement. What can we do to facilitate this so that you are covering the heat as specified in our contract? Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would add to that conversation? I mean, just the, I mean, talking to the landlord about the fact that it sounds like only one room, one of their, I think three, if I'm reading this correctly, one of their three rooms in this rental ever reaches the correct temperature. Yeah. So even if for some reason the landlord was to push back and say, well, I gave you the plug-in wall radiators, that's good enough. Um, it's not. No. Because the other two rooms, it sounds like, are even colder. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it should be noted that a lot of these state-specific laws that, that Krista mentioned, that specifically New York uh, needs to reach these temperatures of, what, 68 during the day, 62 mm -hmm. at night, um, there are reasons for those. You know, a lot of it could do with the building codes. Obviously, it's local weather. So in Rochester, New York, it's getting cold enough that maybe, depending on how the house is insulated, the pipes could start to get uh, into dangerous territory. I mean, that's why they set some of these limits. It's not just for habitability and tenants' comfort. It's also how the houses around there are constructed. So skimping to save some money or pushing that those costs onto the tenant not only a violation of the lease, but it could be putting the rental in jeopardy, um, especially when it sounds like the heating sources they did provide could be fire hazards. Yeah, that sounds pretty dangerous. Um, yeah, if you can't get them with the fact that it's violating tenants' rights, get them with the fact that it could risk their investment. And that is something that might perk up more ears and, and get some action moved in. I would say if this person sits down with their landlord they should be very calm, collected, outline everything that they've shared. Say, hey, there are multiple rooms in my house that do not reach the proper temperature. I'm using what you've provided, but unfortunately, it's still not getting to the safe degree that we know we have to have in New York based on this government site. You can go to nyc.gov. They have all of this information laid out. Um, and this kind of concern is something that your landlord has to act on immediately. Sometimes, you know, as a tenant, you might want something to be done and it's more of a it doesn't have to happen heat and hot water things of that nature that must be corrected immediately mm -hmm. so you've got a really good case i know that they were worried that they didn't have all of their ducks in a row they wanted to make sure they knew the lay of the land before they have the conversation you are well within your rights to go out and talk to your landlord point back to the lease and say hey what can we do so that you are covering this whether that's fixing the baseboards providing an additional heat source like what can you do to correct this take over the electric bill mm -hmm. but it is your right as the tenant in this case to have the conversation and expect action absolutely yeah we wrote a blog uh outlining how long a landlord has to fix something and it really does depend on the nature of the repair that needs to be done as you said some of these sorts of repairs are maybe wants not needs or maybe they're needs but they're not dire mm -hmm. something like heat 
in upstate New York in the winter, that is dire. You have to act immediately to do that. Uh, it should also be noted, you know, the, the poster here talks about how there are floor-based heaters, but they don't emit heat. So there's some kind of ducting, some, something has been built into the unit. It's not as if it was built without heat. Mm -hmm. I don't think maybe anything in Rochester is built without heat. We hope not. But if it's a case where the boiler or furnace or whatever other heat source is broken, the landlord could get that fixed and it would, it could be tax deductible. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, landlords, if you're out there, you could go ahead, act on this. If there is already a system in place, it would most likely be considered a repair. So that means that you can deduct it from your taxes the year that you do it. If you are making an improvement to your property, let's say you're adding a, a heater, you never had one in there, that would be, like I said, an improvement. And that means it's depreciable. You have to depreciate it over time. You can't take it as a one-time tax deduction, but you'll take it over the course of years, depending on your local laws. Um, but either way, it helps to protect your bottom line while making sure that your tenant's needs are met and while making sure that you're upholding the warranty of habitability because mm -hmm. that is the main thing here outside of the lease agreement and the, the language therein. You are duty bound to provide a warm place for tenants. That yeah. is part of what you're taking on when you become a landlord. That's right. So go forth and prosper. It doesn't have to be this giant issue. Um, but since everything's specified in the lease, tenant, have a reasonable conversation, sit down, let them know your concerns. You could pitch some of these solutions if you'd like, but otherwise you should be having a warmer winter this year. Absolutely. Fingers crossed. Whether you have one door or a hundred, TurboTenant's all-in-one landlord platform helps you maximize your property management business. Sign up for a free account today at landlordpod.com. So beyond having a lot of opinions on matters for landlords, I have a lot of opinions on matters of the heart. And this story combines them both. I am so excited. What a tease. <laughs> I know. Okay. All right. So this comes from poster, Tenant Uncertain. Headline here, I, 26-year-old female, am finding myself falling in love with my landlord. So this renter is... She found herself in a, in a bad situation. She was trying to leave. She moved out into the city with her seven-year-old. This is very important. She has a little kid. Okay. She has no support in the city, but that's okay. If you've got enough gumption, you can make it anyway. Absolutely. Except then COVID hit and she oh. was a waitress. And okay. so gumption runs a little dry when there's a global pandemic mm -hmm. happening. Um, so she was struggling to find work. She's running out of food. You know, her, her kiddo is all set up, but everything else is kind of falling apart. So she talks to one of her colleagues and her colleague said, hey, I know this great guy and he's going to rent out his basement, but he's not just renting it to anyone. So like, I'd be calling in a favor, but do you want to go check it out? And she's like, renting a basement from some unknown entity? Mm -hmm. like, that's a little suspicious. She's kind of on the fence. It sounds too good to be true. And the colleague is like, no, let's just go and meet him and see the place. Okay. So she brings her kiddo and her colleague to the rental. She meets the landlord who also has a small son around the age of her daughter. Okay. It's a beautiful spot. It's a beautiful home. It's a walkout basement rental. So they have access to the yard where the kiddos can play. The kiddos are getting along really well. Everything is looking good. Mm -hmm. She's like, man, this might be it. This is good vibes, good feelings. So after a lot of hesitation, she agrees. She signs a lease. She's in. But this landlord is not your typical landlord. Uh oh. What I mean is he's, he's like, hey, it's okay that you can't pay rent for these first few months. Uh, you can pay me back at some point. I will buy groceries. I will make sure that everything is 
like turned on, the heat's on, utilities are paid. I will take care of it because he's also living in this place, right? Mm -hmm. So she's in the basement. He's on the upper floor. It's working out for a long time. They're like starting to become kind of like a little family unit. Mm -hmm. uh, she eventually is able to start repaying him for the rent that she missed. She starts contributing to groceries. He's cooking meals for everyone. He is like taking her kiddo to play dates. Her kid and his kid play all the time. Okay. They go to school. They're doing all the stuff. It's like a pseudo family unit, yeah. right? Well, as you might expect. There are bodies. There are no bodies. Oh, okay. There are matters of the heart, Jonathan. You're right. You're right. Wrong movie. I, <laughs> Wrong okay. movie. No, this Go is ahead. wholesome. Um, no, she's like, oh my gosh, this landlord is so nice. He's so sweet. He's good with his kid. He's good with my kid. We're kind of taking on life together. We're cooking meals together, like all of this stuff. And it starts to blur the line between mm -hmm. landlord and tenant. Yeah. So it starts to feel more like family you. Yes. Right? So she came to Reddit because she was like, what do I do about this? Do I do anything? Like, will I risk my housing if I confess my love for my landlord? He's pretty reserved. He's really nice. He's very kind. But she she doesn't have a read on him romantically. Okay. What a dicey situation to find yourself in. <laughs> Horrible. I would never, ever recommend mixing legal matters and matters of the heart. But alas, here we are. So... <laughs> So she, so she wants to know. She's like, hey, do I do I swallow my feelings? Do I tell him? Like, what should I do? And Lord knows I have several opinions. Of course. I think we all do. Yeah. I love, first of all, that you keep calling it matters of the heart. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. So I think at the start, you mentioned the age yes. of our poster is 26. Yes. How old's our landlord? Um, I believe, and let me look right here because we do have that information. I believe he's, ah, 38. 38, mm -hmm. 12 year age difference, but their kids are similar ages. Similar ages. Yeah. His son is a little bit younger. So okay. he's like four, daughter is seven. Okay. And you gave a great uh, truncated telling of this tale. It should be noted, this is a very long post. <laughs> and lot. there are no comments on it because uh, this one, I guess the mods on this particular subreddit said, you're looking for moral advice. That's not what this is. So Tragic. It's a good thing we're here to tackle this one. So from the start of it, it sounds like a real meet cute, right? This could totally be a rom-com. Woman down on her luck. She goes to the big city. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't even say what city, by the way. It does not. So we have okay. no geographic information. Wish that we did. I'm sure that there are state and specific laws for counties that might play into this, but we're going to take it as broadly as possible. Sure. Goes to the big city. Mm -hmm. Finds a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Could be really creepy. Not creepy, though. Not creepy. Great guy. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts? Is it's there anything charming. wrong with this? So what you have to know is that I am a very paranoid person. So when I was reading this, I was like, okay, yeah, love is great. But also, do you have enough in savings in yeah. case this all goes south after you have a conversation? Yeah. Because I also believe in being transparent about your feelings, but prepared. <laughs> yes. you know? mm -hmm. So if this poster was my friend, I would sit her down. I'd probably give her a hug because Lord knows this sounds like a lot. Um, but sit her down and say, hey, I totally understand. Like, you can't control your feelings. This person seems really nice. He seems great. Let's make sure that you have everything you need to move out in case it goes horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know I'm not saying you don't have to share your heart with him. I am saying have enough money in the bank to hit the road just yeah. in case. Yeah. Um, because you, we don't know where he stands. It could be that he is just being friendly and he does not see this romantically. And this kind of confession will make things really awkward and maybe mm -hmm. kind of break things apart a little bit. That's one of her fears, at least. 
it could go really swimmingly, and you could use the money that you saved up for a honeymoon fund. That's there you go. Yeah, go. And on. then she just moves in with them and stops paying rent, and they just get married and live happily ever after. It could be. It could be great. But before you have that conversation, I would say, especially because there's a kid in the mix, have the money and the resources you need to be able to leave. Mm-hmm. So that might mean saving up for quite a few months before you have this kind of conversation. If something pops up naturally, let's say he just gets a twinkle in his eye one morning as he's making you coffee and he's like, love has always been here. It wasn't written in the lease, but it came in anyway. <laughs> did, you awesome. have that, did you have that prepared? No. The love I'm in the lease? I'm just a okay. genius. <laughs> That's what lease addendums are for. That's what you know? lease addendums are for. For professing your love for your tenants. Exactly. Exactly. But really, on, on the renter side, just make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Save up. Have an escape route planned. And then sit him down one day. It doesn't even have to be a big production. Mm-hmm. It could be while he's making dinner. And be like, you know what? You're more than just a landlord to me. You're... A land love. A land love. <laughs> and see what he says. You, you know, know, people always say, uh, maybe you shouldn't live with your best friend. Or maybe you shouldn't live with family, as in like renting to family. Uh, because when, if things go sour... They could go really sour. Mm-hmm. It could be not only do you need to find a new tenant now, but you also need to find a new brother. Yeah. Uh, which is <laughs> a lot harder. harder in this market. Yeah. Uh, and this is absolutely the case here where, um, you know, say things don't work out. This person could not only need to look for a new place to live. Uh, they also would be out of love. Out of love. Out of, of home cooked meals. Out of play date arrangements. So you really have to look at everything. And just have a backup plan, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. again, I'm a huge believer in following your heart. So like, sure, have the conversation, sit down with him. Just make sure everything's ready to go in case it doesn't go the way you want it to. Now let's flip it around because this is written from Tenant Uncertain. Sure. This is from the 26-year-old tenant. What about the 38-year-old landlord? Ooh, I would be giving them very different advice. <laughs> because here's the thing. There's an inherent power dynamic yes. when there's a landlord and a renter. If you're a landlord and you start developing feelings for your renter, you need to stop that right now because you control where they live. And that means that you have more power over them than they have over you. And that can make things really dicey. Mm -hmm. So I'm, again, big believer in following your heart. But at that point, if I was talking to the landlord, I might recommend waiting until the lease is up so that there isn't a pressure to like, oh, if I don't tell him I love him and re-sign this lease, I'll be homeless. Like you don't want to put someone in that position. So you got to be thoughtful. I think that's a great point. There we go. Invite us to the wedding, please, if there is one. Yes. Mm-hmm. We will create a song about landlord love, and we will sing it there. We have ukuleles. And we'll use them. We will use- that is a threat. <laughs> Customize a state-specific lease agreement in 15 minutes or less with TurboTenant. Sign up today at landlordpod.com to get started, and tell them the podcast sent you. So here at Adventures in Landlording, we firmly believe landlords can be a positive force in their community, But we also know there are some real stinkers out there, and we like to highlight them in the hopes that you will learn from their mistakes. This is what we call the Landlord Special. Landlord Special. Okay, so this Landlord Special, this is a landlord consultant, don't know what that title means, in the UK. Hmm. Their name is Jamie underscore G57. Old. And they said... I consider it an error on my part if any of my tenants are able to save up enough to buy a house. It meant I was undercharging them. In any other industry, you wouldn't leave money on the table like that. It's basic market economics. 
I'm going to introduce Jamie to a basic market economic Ooh, club like this. Oh, no. You can't say that. You can't do that. It's not, it's not a matter of... Well, hang on. Let's unpack it. <laughs> okay. can, you, can you say it? You, you are physically able to, but should you? No. No. Can you do it? No. And that's not a good sign that you are thriving as a landlord. Your tenants should be able to live. Like, you're not there to just gouge them. <laughs> You know who does that? Slum lords. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, there is no part of this that I agree with. It's not basic market economics. And I would invite Jamie to take a basic economic course to correct some of this idiocy that I see on screen. Yeah. So this is a common complaint with landlords is that they are gouging their tenants for all the money that they have. And there's already an inherent power struggle between the homeowner and the home renter that's always going to happen, right? This idea, though, that you're undercharging them if they're able to pay the rent and save up enough money to buy their own house, that's absurd. But also, most people get into being a landlord because they are a real estate investor, right? You buy the property, you buy and hold it for a long time. That's how you win with real estate investing is that housing valuations go up over time. Eventually, your house is worth a lot more than you bought it for. Awesome. In the meantime, and this is the cool part about a long-term rental, you can have tenants in there paying your mortgage. So you're making some money off the tenant, but really the goal is that they cover your mortgage and your housing expenses. And the real payoff is at the end of, what, 30, 50 years, yep. I don't know how long, a long time when you actually sell that property. And if you're thinking of it that way, then in the meantime, when you're renting it out, you're really a service provider. Yes. Yes, that's what I feel like so many landlords miss out on when they are trying to get into this game. Uh, you are a service provider. This is a human business. Your goal is not to drive these people into the ground and make it so they can never live anywhere else. Would you even want someone in your place who can't live anywhere else? Like, no. that sounds miserable on all sides. So no, this is that. Yeah, it it is just absolute baloney. That's the yeah. most PG thing I can say. <laughs> <laughs> absolute baloney. No, this is incorrect. Please don't be this landlord. Don't be this landlord. Don't do it. <laughs> There's no reason to gouge your tenants. If your tenant has been there for a while and then they tell you, hey, at the end of this lease, I'm going to be moving out because I'm going to go buy my own house. You should say that's great. And then you should say, since you've been such a great tenant, do you have anyone you could refer to take your place when you move out? Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Being a good person <laughs> means that you can actually have an even better business with less stress. Because if you have a good tenant in there, you've had a, a positive relationship. When they move out, for whatever reason, if they're buying a house, if they just want to go see a new state, whatever, they could have someone else just like them ready to step in, pay the rent on time, be respectful, all of these other things. And then you don't have to stress about trying to fill your vacancy because they've done most of the hard work for you. Yeah. Now, still screen people. But you still have a lead, a foot up over others who might be scrambling, trying to find anyone to fill their vacancy. Absolutely. Don't be Jamie G57. Don't be him. Don't be Jamie. Be better. Well, that is it for this episode of Adventures in Landlording. Make sure to subscribe on your podcast player of choice and on YouTube. If you have any feedback or you want to share your own adventure in landlording, check us out at landlordpod.com. <laughs>